0: Okay, uh, you can be opening up your Bibles to um, the book of Galatians, chapter 3. We'll be continuing our study in there today. And as you know, we've been uh, talking about uh, Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia that he established there on the first couple of missionary journeys that we read about in Acts. And we know about the fact that they were having to deal with that issue that kept cropping up in the first century about uh, having to obey continue to obey the law, having to continue to be circumcised, right? Uh, even the Gentiles, the Jewish, perhaps Jewish Christians even were coming in and telling them, you know, you got to be circumcised, you got to obey the law, you got to keep the law, you know, and Paul is trying to rebuke that. Paul is teaching folks that you know, you're foolish, as we talked about last week, you're you're befooled, you're bewitched, you're you're going back to something that you don't need anymore Christ was the fulfillment of that law the fulfillment of all the Old Testament the Old Testament was pointing to him the whole time get that through your thick skulls right he's trying to teach them that that's what it was all about and today we're going to continue that theme a little bit Uh, in chapter 3 you know we know about Abraham right we've studied we've read we know the stories of Abraham father Abraham you know in the Old Testament uh, how he was given the promises, right? And we know that Abraham is a key, fig- key figure in several, at least three of the world's great religions, right? He's, he's the father. He's, he's the the father of many nations that we read about. He's, of course, the ancestor of the Jews, the Hebrews, through his son Isaac, right? We know that. And you may not know, but Muslims, those of Islam, regard him as their ancestor as well through Ishmael, Uh, you know, he's called Abraham or Ibrahim, so they have that. And then you can think of a third group, and that's what we're going to talk about today, a third group that should and does consider Abraham their father. If you turn over Galatians 3 and chapter, uh, Galatians 3 and verse 29, let's read that. He says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So in essence, Christians, us, should consider Abraham our spiritual father through Christ. The same as the Jews and the Muslims do as well. This is truly consistent with the meaning of his name. Turn over to the book of Genesis, and we're going to read some verses from Genesis. Start with chapter 17 there. And let's just see what it has to say about old Abraham. 17 and uh, let's just begin in verse 1 of Genesis 17 it says when Abram was 99 years old the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him I am almighty God walk before me and be blameless and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying as for me behold my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So in essence, that word, that name that he's given, that's what it means. Father of many nations, right? So that kind of connotates something, right? Something that we were just talking about there, how many regard him as their ancestor. Turn over to chapter 12 there, and I'm gonna read a few verses from there. Because Abram or Abraham is an important figure, right, in the Bible. He's very important in that he was given some promises. The promises from God, right? The first one you can read about in Genesis 12, verse 1. Let's read this. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And then verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants... I will give this land and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him so we know about a land promise right that Abram was promised by God and we know how that ends up right he ended up in the land of milk and honey flowing with milk and honey Canaan right how they came out of Egypt God delivered them wandered in the wilderness because of their unfaithfulness and end up giving him the land of Canaan so that promise was fulfilled we can read about it in the scripture how that promise was fulfilled verse 2 of Genesis 12 I will make you a great nation I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing so that we have this nation promise right this promise that through Abraham's seed there's gonna be a great nation made and we know about that right Israel they came through Isaac right The great nation of Israel. We read all about that through the Old Testament, right? And how Jesus, the Savior, came through that nation. So we have that promise. And then verse 3, there's this other one that says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's read that again. And, in all, and you all, the families of the earth, shall be blessed. Okay? That's interesting, right? Is he just talking about the great nation he just mentioned? Is he talking about the people that live in the land that he just promised? Well, before you hear what Paul has to say, maybe that's what you going to thought. Maybe you were thinking that, that he's just talking about the Jews or the Israelites. The fulfillment of these promises, you can think of it like this, Right? This is the theme of the Bible. Yeah, I know, the theme, the true character of the Bible, the the, to, the most important character of our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? But you can think of Abraham being the theme because that's how it came to be, through him. He's made these promises, and there were promises that you get to enjoy too. Have you ever thought about that? The promises made to Abraham, yeah, we, we don't live in Canaan, yeah, we don't have the great nation of Israel. We know who Jesus Christ is. Why? How did that happen? Well, God did it. God provided for it. God gave us that promise of the seed through Abraham. Interesting to see that, right? Interesting to think about that. The Bible reveals that God fulfilled these promises First, the nation promised via the descendants of Israel. Then the land promise, which you can read about in Joshua far, further. Uh, in the days of Joshua and then the days of Solomon, right? Of course, Joshua was given the land. He led them in. Solomon built the temple, right? So you have all that. And then you have, with the coming of Christ, that seed promise. So in the early church, there are evidently some who decided, well, that seed promise doesn't affect the world right? That verse 3 when it says all families will be blessed, that's not everybody. It still should just, just be the Jews. It still should be just the Israelites, right? And so therefore, you had a lot of Jews that were saying to the Gentiles, you got to be circumcised. You got to keep the law. You still ha- You're still under the law. You don't have that spirit of freedom, that law of love through Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Galatians 3 and read our text for today and see what Paul has to say about all this. Chapter 3 again, and let's begin in verse, let's go back to verse 5 just to get it started. So verse 5, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, no... That only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Wait a minute, what did I just say? Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Interesting. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, wait a minute, I thought it was just the promise to Israel. No, no, no. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying in you all the nations shall be blessed so Paul's saying even when God was making this promise to Abraham, it wasn't just about Israel it was about you so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse wait a minute let's read that again For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You see, if you're only living under the law, you're cursed because you can't keep it. You can't do them all. It's not possible in the flesh. Wow. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Wait a minute. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having becoming a curse for us. What does that mean? How has he become a curse? For it's written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Wow. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. It's written Jesus became our curse. If we're just going to live under the law, we're cursed. We're doomed. We're done. No hope. Jesus became that curse for us, hanging on a tree. Now I can imagine that that, that probably sounded kind of wild to the Gentiles, right? Because they didn't fully understood the law. And, and the Jews are trying to tell them that they're, not, they're probably not grasping that completely. And then Paul comes in and says, no, no, it's not about that. You're not to keep the law. You've got the promise from Abraham from the beginning. It's always been there. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is in everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles of Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, he's saying to the Gentiles, because Jesus became that curse for you, you now get the promise, you get to receive the same Spirit. How? Through your faith. It has nothing to do with the law. It's not about being circumcised. It's not about keeping the law. It's through your faith. Interesting concept, right? These people are trying to say, no, you've got to keep the law. No, all these things got to be done. You've got to keep the traditions. You've got to be circumcised. Well, what is he really saying here? Those who are of faith. What's he saying about them? They, as verse 6 says, are truly the sons of Abraham. Verse 6, just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, Therefore, now only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Hebrews 11 tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. Genesis 15, Abraham's faith was accounted to him as righteousness. We we'll read about that in the beginning. Indeed, verse 7, only those of faith are true sons of Abraham. This is what the seed promise referred to it is those of faith who are blessed with believing Abraham. You see Abraham was the father of many nations. Abraham was the father of the Jews. He truly was father of Ishmael, so perhaps he was truly the father of the Muslim or those of Islam nations. But he carried that seed promise. Therefore, he is the father of the children of God. Physically speaking, not our true father in heaven. But he's the one that was given the promise in the beginning. So, that seed promise drops down to us. Not those who are of the works of law. That is those who seek to be justified by the law. Turn over to Romans chapter 9. Let's read a few verses from there. Beginning in verse 31. Romans 9, 30, says, But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. But as it were, by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone that it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone on a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. What's he saying right there? You see, even... Though the Israelites had the law, it was still about faith. You could keep the law, try to keep the law, but if you didn't have faith, no good. God has always required faith, it's always been the foundation, even those under the law. Continuing in verse 10 Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. Well is that they may be saved, for I I bear them witness that they have a seal for God, but not according to knowledge, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Interesting verse, right? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. In other words, they're trying to keep the law. They're not believing in Christ Jesus. Who's the end of it? It does them no good. Continue on. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The law requires strict obedience. You transgress one law, you've transgressed the entire law. Therefore, you're doomed. Jesus paid that curse because we were doomed. Now we have hope. The law cursed those who do not keep it. The law also proclaimed all men to be sinners. They are not justified by the works of the law as this law is foretold. The law required perfect obedience, which none could offer. So, it is through faith, like Abraham's, that we become heirs of Abraham. Those who seek salvation through the works of law are not his true descendants, but it is now simply faith. Faith in that right person. But wait a minute, isn't there a little more to it than just faith? Well, sure. We're also talking about those who've been redeemed through Christ. Those who have been redeemed, he became a curse for us by dying on that tree. He bore our sins in his body, an own body on the tree. Thus, he offers redemption. From every lawless deed, Titus 2. Through his blood, Ephesians 1, providing forgiveness of sins. You see, we have faith and we act on it. Not that anything we do is going to save us, of course. But we now have the true fulfillment of that law. The law is still there to guide us, so we know the difference between right and wrong. We can know what God expects of us, what we're to do, what we're not to do. But the faith is what motivates us. Genesis 12 said all the families of the earth will be blessed in that promise. They who have received the promise of the Spirit, Galatians 3.14. We just read that. The Spirit promises those who believe, which Paul reminds the Galatians they had received through faith, right? That promise uh, was that they were given the Spirit to all who obey through faith. So, who are the heirs of Abraham? Well those who believe and those who have been redeemed by Christ and made recipients of that blessing promised to Abraham. Of course, which included receiving the Spirit, right? <clears throat> Through this uh, belief in, this, in uh, Christ and receiving of the Spirit, we become sons of God. And we've talked about that a lot, right? We now have the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, It was established at Pentecost that we see it in the church here on earth. We know that Christ has ascended to to the heaven, to the right hand of God. He's sitting, reigning in his kingdom. Therefore, we are citizens, you might say, but also children of God, heirs of the promises, the heirs of Abraham. So the true heirs of Abraham are not the Jews, not Muslims, but Christians. I know you say, well, I understand that. I know that. Well, sometimes we can get caught up, right, with doing the right things, right? De- keeping the law, do- doing the right things. And, and that's not a bad thing. We, we should be considering what we should be doing in our lives. But we tend to forget about the fact that we're doing this out of love for the Lord, right? For what he did for us, for the promises he made. And I think when you do that, sometimes you lose that focus, that hope you have of eternal life, right? We get to dealing with things in our mundane lives, our daily lives, and we forget that. Sometimes, I, I, I've thought about this, you know, I wonder if I'd have been a Christian in the first century if I'd have been more zealous, you know? Because things kind of get stale, so, you know, and you kind of get caught up in your ruts, you know. and But I can, I can imagine at that time it was such a new thing, you know. And they were expecting to come in any minute. And we don't seem to spend our lives like that. I don't know. Maybe some of you do. I, I don't know. But we tend to get caught up in our daily things, our routines. And we're not necessarily focused on that, right? I believe a lot of the folks in the first century were. And they were having to deal with a lot of issues here that Paul's helping them out with, right? And so it's good. If we are in prayer every day, if we are in the Word every day, it should be motivating us to get to work. And you notice, Abraham didn't sit around waiting on God to do stuff for him. He went to work. Yeah, God was working through him, but he went to work. He picked up his family, headed west. Because God told him, to. and he was a believer, he had the faith, and he obeyed. So, I guess one of the things I would love for you to get out of this is because of that great promise God made to Abraham, we have salvation, we have hope, and we can be children of God. We are children of God, those who have been redeemed, those who have become sons of, sons of God. Believing that he died for our sins. And, as in Romans 10 said, faith that he was raised from the dead. Do you really believe that? You know, we talk about faith in Jesus Christ. We talk about understanding that he died for our sins, right? But we don't sometimes think so much about him being raised from the dead, do we? Yeah, okay, I can believe that happened. If you ever talk to someone in the world who doesn't believe that, they probably look at it like, you, okay, I, I can see a man living, and he may have preached, done a good things. I don't know, may, maybe he could work some what appeared to be miracles. But being raised from the dead, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> that's silliness. You see, really, that's what... We should be focused on. Yes, he died for us. But this world's passing away. And because he was raised from the dead, we get the hope that we're going to be raised from the dead, right? That's what we should really be excited about. That's what should really push us. That's what really should be motivating us to get to work. We've been given that wonderful right to be children of God. Because we believe. When you're born into your family, you're given that right to be a child of your father and your mother. Some of you might be saying, so what? I, I'm proud. I'm proud that I was born into my family. bunch of nuts. And there are some crazy ones in there, I guarantee you that. But we don't think so much that we're actually born into a family that the head is the creator of the universe we don't ponder that very well do we that should be an awesome thought you should think about that and think and focus on it you're a child of god because of that we're motivated to do certain things right go back to galatians 3 And let's move to uh, verse 26. See what he says here. For you, notice that first word, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's a bold statement. He's saying it right there. You're a son of God because of your faith. And then notice the next verse. There's that for word again. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Now I know you've read those verses many times. If you ever talk to someone about baptism, I would imagine you probably went to Galatians 3.27. Probably so. That's a big one. But notice the word for there. He's saying, You became a child of God because you put Christ on in baptism. And if anybody tells you that baptism is not essential. How do they explain that? I know, I've I've had some people tell me things. You know, he's talking about spirit baptism. He's talking about No. He's talking about being clothed in Christ, being buried with him as we read about in Romans 6. Remember? Paul said in Romans 6, you were buried with Christ, raised again to newness of life. We have the explanation right there. So what's he saying here? (coughs) It's not about keeping the law. It's about your faith. And because of that faith, you obey the gospel. You obey the plan. You put on Christ in baptism, and therefore you become a child of God. And guess what? You are heirs of the great promise, the great seed promise that God gave to Abraham. So Abraham's your father, earthly, just like the Jews claim, just like Muslim nations claim? Pretty cool thing, right? Baptism, we are united with Christ and we're clothed with him. So, who then are the true heirs of Abraham? The heirs of the promises that was given to him. Is it really the Jews? (coughs) Well, the land promise you can make the claim, yeah. The nation's promise, they were part of it. Why did God choose the Jews, the Israelites as His chosen nation? Ultimately? He had a way had to have a way, right? Bring Jesus into the world. That's what He did that for. That's why he did that. As I said, the whole Old Testament was pointing to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Because of that promise made to Abraham. You see, God had a plan from the beginning. And that plan was to bring him into the world that we might have salvation. When you consider that, a promise that was made several thousand years ago, why would you not want to be a child of God? It blows my mind to think about all the things of history. And and you see things today, right? In the Middle East especially you see stuff in the news you know you've got this nation of Israel that was set up again and you've got Arabs and they they hate each other because of things going back to Abraham's time you say yeah we read about it in the Bible but it's stuff that's happening today because of that still And as Christians, we can see that. We can understand it was really about us, not them. Yeah, they can be fighting with each other over there. They can be killing each other because of their hate for each other that they say goes all the way back to when Ishmael was cast out of Abraham's tent. Right? Hagar had to go out and wander. Of course, God provided for him. That promise that made to Abraham was made for us. Us, who are heirs of Abraham, heirs of the promises, who through obedience to that plan, putting him on and putting Christ on the baptism, we are then redeemed and we receive that promise. It's not about being in the lineage of Abraham. It's not about being of those who were of that physical family. About being a child of God, and I've been pre—I'm preaching a lot. I get in here and start preaching. Jolene asked me this morning, "How many people are you going to convert today?" I said, eh, 2 Let's just use two. But seriously, if you're not a Christian—and most of—I know most everybody probably in here is—I don't. There may not be anybody I don't know that hasn't obeyed the gospel. But can you? Imagine living life If that promise has been given from thousands of years ago Why in the world would you want not want to be part of it? I can't understand that I I guess it's just I don't know it's because I'm so focused Well, I don't know if I'm that focused, but I'm, I'm so ingrained in that That I know it's true so I guess it's part of it, you know that you just have Satan get in there and it out I don't know what it is but that's a fabulous wonderful thing right to be able to be part of that promise that was given to Abraham Um, not that Abraham was anything great he was just a man but we received great blessings through him yes sir Amen. Yeah. That's it. Meh. lie, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It is sad. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Brother John. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I mean. It, It's 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 it blows my mind that people won't won't believe it, you know. But you know you get just get so I guess your conscience is so seared, or you just so stubborn, your heart's closed, whatever, that you just won't do it. But there it is, that promise is made of old, and we can partake in it. It's a wonderful thing. Paul's telling them it's not going back to the law. It's not keeping the law. It's not going back to the law. That's not it. That law was pointing to Jesus and he's the fulfillment of it. The whole thing is about living with love for him, first of all, and love for each other, second. And it's the same as the first. That was the intention. That was the design. He created you to love him. He created you to love each other. And if you live like that, it's like being in heaven, right? Yes, yeah, sin creeped into the world. He gave you the choice, and that happened. And we have to deal with it, and he's provided that way to deal with it. So just take a hold of it and go. Go and do. All right, I know I'm preaching. I've got to stop. Time is up. Thanks for being here.